Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, Barbara Britton. She is the author of the book, Defending David, Etai's Journey. And let me tell you, if you love biblical fiction, uh, fantasy or fiction based in biblical times, this book is for you. I just started reading it today and I thoroughly enjoyed it. What I love about her writing is that you can definitely envision the characters in their natural setting. A lot of research went into this story, as well as the customs of the time, the biblical setting. A lot of things went into the story, and you can tell when you pick up your copy of Defending David, Etai's Journey by Barbara Britton. And so let me read to you the quick blurb. I thought this really attracted my attention. Can an orphaned woman and a Philistine exile then an aging king cannot control a rebellious son. And for those of us who are familiar with Old Testament narratives, you probably have an idea this is about Absalom. And so Absalom does make an appearance in this story as well. So I'm really, really, really excited to talk about this story in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our supporters for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to so to find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay subscribed to PJC Media, go to pjcmedia.net, smash that pink button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release, A Chance for Genevieve. It's available on amazon.com exclusively. So go ahead and pick up your copy today. And so without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest co-host and contributor today, Barbara Britton. Barbara, how are you doing today? Well, thank you, Parker. I am doing wonderfully, and I'm happy to be here and to talk about King David, which a lot of Christians and even non-Christians know about King David and his life, but they don't know about this marvelous Bible character, Ittai the Gittite, who plays such a key role in keeping David on the throne. And I'm just happy to shed some light and love on a little-known Bible character. That is your stock in trade when it comes to your writing, though, isn't it? Yes, I'd like to write about characters that even I didn't know were in the Bible. I grew up in a non-Christian home, so I came to faith later in life, and I tended to focus more on the New Testament, and I think a lot of people do that. And maybe some people feel like, oh, we don't need to really know much about the Old Testament, but there's so many wonderful stories in the Old Testament and exciting characters that shed so much light on God's grace and his faithfulness. And when I discover them, it really kind of is a light bulb moment. And I say to myself, more people need to know about this character. And if there's enough Bible narrative about them and I can get a feel for the story, 
and God puts it on my heart, then I just write about them. And some of the stories and the characters I've written about are just wonderful men and women of faith. And I'm just so blessed to be able to bring them to the fictional page and hopefully drive people that read my biblical fiction to the Bible so they can look up the scripture and say, wow, I didn't even know this was in the Bible. I particularly love the Old Testament. I think it has the best stories, the best narrative. I also like the fact of how much action is involved in the Old Testament narratives. There are wars going on, political intrigue, people falling in love, murders, all sorts of things are going on in the Old Testament. And it gives me some comfort because it lets me know that what people are doing now, people have always been doing. And I am surprised the Lord did not just cut it off at the root. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, he could have cut it off at the root and just did it again. But instead he said, I love you. I'm going to die for you. And you look at the Old Testament and you say, people still have these problems, even though it was thousands of years ago. And why hasn't God gone mad with having us act like this? And that is because he loves us. I like also how you mentioned about Etai, because your stock and trade is utilizing these little known characters and creating narratives and fictional stories about them so we can know more about the Bible. We know a lot about David, but we also know that Etai's story is wrapped up in David's story. And David was a very complicated man. I was reading First and Second Samuel recently, and I sort of go, I don't think I would have married David because <laughs> I am not sharing my husband whatsoever with any woman. But here you had David, whom God called a man after his own heart, but he's so incredibly flawed. And you wonder, what did David do best that the Lord would call him that? And then I think of this story of Etai. And why would David make Etai, which is in the scriptures, and we'll talk about that in the broadcast a little bit later, why would he make this Philistine head of a third of his army? Why would he do that? There's so much to the story that we just don't know. But then the Lord gave Barbara this opportunity to create a fictional narrative of some of what could have happened. And maybe the Lord is calling you to do that. And we'll talk about that later on in the broadcast as well. One thing I like to do, Barbara, before we get into the story, I want people to know a little bit more about you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was amazed that I am an author because I never really aspired to be an author. I was teaching children Bible stories every week in chapel at a local Christian school. And at the end of the school year, like many teachers, I was getting a little burnt out. I had to kind of modify my curriculum because I was teaching kindergarten through fifth grade at one time in a in a big setting. And it's very hard to find curriculum that can, can really teach a kindergartner, but not bore a fifth grader. So I was having to do a lot of rewriting of curriculum. And I just prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, hit me with some creativity. And he did. I got all my chapel lessons written, but I got a prompting to sit down and write a story that was in my head. And it took me a year, but I wrote the story. But it wasn't a Bible story. It was just a sweet historical. And I ended up writing two more stories that were sweet historical until maybe I finally woke up to the fact that, Barb, you are teaching Bible stories every week. Maybe you should write a story that's based in the Bible. And so the fourth book I wrote 
was a takeoff of a Bible story, uh, takeoff of the servant girl uh, in the story of Naaman in 2 Kings 5. And that book got picked up by a publisher. But my husband, who's an ordained minister, he gave me two pieces of advice. He said, Barb, don't bore the people with the Bible because it's the most exciting book out there. And he's right. I mean, even like today's story, there is so many exciting stories in the Bible that we can learn from. And he said, don't just teach the kids a Bible story. You need to teach them why that story is in the Bible. And that goes back to you and I as writers. There's got to be a theme. There's got to be a reason, a purpose why we write these books. You know, readers can go to the Bible and read stories. But what is it? Why did these people do what they did? What can we learn from them? And that's what I like to bring out in my stories is give people a broader understanding of the Bible and why this little snippet of scripture on its eye matters. And so I got into writing later in life. I didn't think I would be an author. And it took me about eight years before I ever got a publishing contract. And then the Lord kept having me discover little known Bible characters and I kept writing. And it's really been so fabulous to go to, to reader events. I, I met you in person at, at a reader event in South Dakota, but just go to events and meet people and talk about the Bible, talk about God. There's always an opening when someone asks me what I write and I say, I write biblical fiction to talk about Bible stories and to talk about God and shine a light. And I feel like that is such a blessing. And now I continue to write as long as he gives me stories in my head that I feel would bless others. I'll continue to write because, as you know, it's a lot of work nowadays to not only write stories, but then we have to be out on all these social media platforms, which I have to learn because a lot of them are not intuitive to me and get the word out that we have stories to share with people. But I just enjoy learning about the Bible, bringing it to life, and hopefully people will learn more about the Bible and God from my stories. I've seen you do this at those readers events. I've seen you because we've had tables across from each other this year. And last year you were further down the hall there, but somebody came to your, your table like, oh, okay, what do you write? You said, I write stories about little known biblical characters because there's your pitch speech in like 10 seconds, you know, but I love that you do that. I've seen it as an evangelistic tool. And some people don't understand how powerful the tool of fiction can be when they're using it for evangelistic purposes, because there are people who won't read the Bible, who may actually read your story. And then like you said, Barbara, you can use that story and lead people go, okay, let me look this guy up in the Bible, because we're always want to point it back to scripture, back to the word, back to the Lord. So I'm really glad that you did that. And it's funny because you said, I didn't plan on it, but just because you didn't plan on it doesn't mean the Lord didn't plan on it. So that's the fun part there too. So that's very exciting to see you living in your purpose as author. So now let's go ahead and get to the nitty gritty of this book. Again, the book we're highlighting today is called Defending David, Ittai's Journey, and it's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. We definitely want to thank Pelican Book Group for the connection. Now, Barbara, if you were going to describe this book in a quick few sentences, how would you describe it? I would say we all need friends. And we think of King David as a powerful warrior, but sometimes in our lives we fall and we can't get up and God provides somebody to help us get back on our feet. And God provided Ittai the Gittite for King David to give him a shot in the arm when he needed encouragement. And so Ittai is King David's faithful friend. And there's a Proverbs 18, 24b. It says, there's a friend who sticks 
closer than a brother. And I like to think of Itai as King David's friend, who was really there at a pivotal moment in his life when he was going to possibly lose the kingdom. And there was so much drama around David with his wives and his nephews, and the whole family was in turmoil. Even his son was trying to take the kingdom, and his Bathsheba's grandfather was working with Absalom, and, you know, there's bad blood there. Yeah, David didn't really have a good home life, did he? (laughs) No, there was so much, like, drama. He had so much drama. All those women, all those kids, all these people. Yeah, he didn't really have a good home life. (laughs) And I feel like Ittai was the calm that came in and gave him some wisdom right when he needed it. He was out of the fray. He was not related to David, and he had a clear head and a clear perspective, and he was in love with God, which as a Philistine, you kind of wonder, how did that happen? But we see Ittai right off the bat when he talks to David, just his love, the Lord, capital L, before he even talks to David as little L Lord. So that's what blows my mind about Ittai is just his background coming from an idol-worshiping country that were at war with Israel forever and ever. And he comes to Jerusalem as an exile looking for a home and he knows the one true God. And I'd love to talk to him and find out what his real actual backstory was. I give him one in the book from David's time when David spent time in Philistia when he was running from Saul. But I'd really love to know, Itai, how did you fall in love with God? Because it certainly wasn't what your country believed. So if I could sit down with Itai the Gittite, that's what I would ask him. How did you fall in love with the one true God when you were living in a land of pagans? I think all of our stories have some type of how did this happen? And for Ittai, the way you depicted it, it was because he had an encounter with David. And that could very well have been what happened. Like I said, we won't know until we get to glory. However, I do like what you did here. And it makes you think about what's going on here. And so when we meet Ittai, we meet him as a young man. And then the story jumps 30 years into the present. I'm sorry, not the present. It jumps 30 years into the future. He's a grown man now. And he meets someone very interesting. Who does he meet, Barbara? He meets a Hebrew woman whose parents have both passed away. She's uh, unmarried because she's been taking care of her mother who was ill for a long period of time. But I call her Ramona the Bold because she's very bold and outspoken. And she has an uncle who works in the palace for King David, but he has pretty much washed his hands of the family, went off to Jerusalem and never looked back. And so now that her mother has passed away, she needs to make a trip to Jerusalem to be placed in the household of her living relative, who's a male. And on the way, she is taken there by some men that are distantly related to her, but they don't have good intentions. And just like today, a woman without any protection or means can fall into harmful hands. Ramona is going to fall into some harmful hands, except that she has a quick wit. And she gets away and she runs away. And, oh, who does she happen to meet who's also on his way to Jerusalem? But she meets Ittai the Gittite. And Ittai at the time is traveling with 600 Philistine warriors. And that's another thing I would like to ask them when I get to glory is, here's Ittai the Gittite traveling with 600 Philistine warriors. And they traipse across Israel and nobody confronts them about what they're doing there. And that's a miracle to me, too. So close to the beginning of the book, Ramona the Bold meets Ittai the Gittite as they're both traveling to 
Jerusalem. And we're going to hear an excerpt from you about that in just a few moments here. But you do bring a good point about how did anyone not see the Philistine army just walking through the whole territory of Israel? <laughs> it does make you go, what were you guys doing? Were you just watching them go by? That's why you really want to know what was this backstory behind Ittai being in Israel. The next question I have for you is this. When we're talking about the customs of the time, you really do a lot showing just how diametrically different it was for a Hebrew woman to be in the presence of a Philistine because they have old blood between them. The Philistines and Israel have been at war for quite some time and they will have periods of peace, periods of battle, periods of peace, periods of battle, almost ongoing for a very long time. And so showing that depiction when Ramona the Bow beat Ittai the Gittite, what is her initial response? Well, of course, Ramona is just shocked that there is an army of Philistines outside of Hebron, which was in Israel. And she can't believe that they're there and no one has challenged them. So she is really just aghast and then has to try and save herself again. And when she has interaction with Ittai, she is very shocked to find out that this isn't a person who's antagonistic or anti-God or is anti-Hebrew. This is a, a man who's going to the same place as her, wants to, to see the king, and is offering her a safe journey to Jerusalem, which I would say is a divine appointment, you know, but she may not have looked at it like that. But she definitely has a growing attack attraction to Ittai because they have similar backstories and that he is orphaned at this point. He has never married and he's kind of alone in his life and she feels alone in her life. And they both see the bigger picture of God and being faithful to friends and being just good, solid people. And why not be good, solid people together? So my next question has to do with your research, because when you're doing biblical historical fiction or even biblical fantasy fantastical fiction. There's a lot of research that goes into that. I was noticing that you were using very familiar places in scriptures that people are familiar with, Beersheba, Hebron, Philistia, things of that nature. So how did you get all that information gathered so we can follow Ramona and Ittai on their journey to Jerusalem? I have actual physical map, biblical map that I use so I can see the distance between places. And that is really key because there were no cars or trains back there that could transport people long distances in a short amount of time. Most people were either on foot, they were on a donkey or mule, they could have been on a camel, riding in a wagon. And so a lot of times I have to look and see how far apart are the towns and cities in Israel. And if you can travel about 10 miles a day, how long is it going to take you to get there? And I also look at the terrain because they did have roads from popular cities that people could travel on because a lot of the terrain is mountainous. And so people wouldn't necessarily want to travel a mountainous terrain. So that is a lot of my research goes into how far apart places are, how are people going to get there, what is the timeline. And then just I read a lot of comparable scripture passages in the Bible for cities 
you know, what does it say in the Bible about the wall or the gate or what was around that city? What is the tree names that are used in the Bible that would have been growing at that time in that area? Because so much has changed and you want to get it right at the time of the story. I can remember when my son went over to Israel and he sent me a picture standing by the Jordan River and it was like two feet wide. And I'm like, wait a minute, God parted this for the Israelites to cross right before the Battle of Jericho. How come this river is only two feet wide? And it's because of the time and and some of the terrain has changed. So you want to Look at the Bible, look at Bible stories. How was it described by the people of the day? What did God want them to put in? And I try to use that to give you a feel of what it would have been like if you were there traveling with these people. What are the scents? What are the sounds? What are you traveling over? How long is it going to take? The heat. A lot of people had head coverings in that day because the heat was very intense. So I have to do a lot of scripture reading in the Bible to find out what are these places like and just bring that to life so people feel like they're there in Bible time. And that's a challenge for me because I'm so used to getting in a car or I'm so used to turning on the air conditioning that I don't feel like somebody living in Bible times, but I have to really focus on what it would have been like living in that time period. I like that you do all that research. And this is why some people don't like to write biblical fiction because of the amount of research that goes into it. Who are the characters that you love to hate and hate to love in your story? Oh, that's easy. Uh, When you're writing about King David, you have to look at the family members around him. And of course, most writers want to have a villain in their story. And of course, we do have one in Absalom in this story because he is trying to kill his father and take over the throne from a man after God's own heart. So, of course, we love to hate Absalom, even though he is mentioned in the Bible as a very handsome, beautiful man. He's the bad guy. But King David has a nephew that a lot of people will be familiar with. Joab, who has been his one of his army commanders and been at David's side doing David's dirty work and keeping the secrets pretty tight for a long time in David's life. And Joab was not a nice guy and he would kill without batting an eye. And so I loved just the friction that probably and most certainly was between Joab and Ittai. Because I can't imagine, spoiler alert, that when David puts Ittai over a third of the Hebrew army, that Joab was seething at having to share power with someone who was born in Philistia. And yet we're not told that he challenged David. We're not given any dialogue about that. Maybe he did, and it wasn't in scripture. But the fact that he would have to share command with a Philistine, I can imagine he was just livid. And so I showed the friction between Joab and Ittai. And it was it was fun to write that. I mean, books have to have conflict and tension, and it's all baked right in when you're talking about King David and his son is trying to kill him. And then, you know, his son's going to have to go to war with not only his father, but his cousins, because they were all related. So that was something that, that brought a lot of drama to the story. And so Joab was somebody that just a hardened fellow who had probably a very hard, hard heart. And here he is 
around David at a very weak time in David's life. And then here he is around this man who is foreign born, yet is just singing God's praises. And what dynamic that would bring to the written page is, is wonderful. It was great to have that conflict intention to work with. So Joab was somebody that I loved to bring to the page and have you know, he's, of course, the ne- negative example of how to live your life, but kind of contrast that with how do you live a godly life, a real, truly godly life, because you don't see evidence of that in Joab. Even in scripture, Joab kind of jumps off the page because he's very vocal and he is an opportunist. He's very hard heart and he tends to do stuff up behind David's back as well. And like you say, he knew all the secrets and he was the kind of guy where he got stuff done. He was very crafty, very shrewd. But I bet you if we were to meet him, he would be a fascinating character. I would love to see what he would look like in contemporary times. He would probably be the executive of a massive corporation, eating up other corporations and doing all these shady things. So if someone just got an idea from that, go roll with it as long as I'm in your book. I just want to be a character in your book. Now, what I want to do right now, Barbara, I want you to go ahead and read an excerpt for us. I'm going to go ahead and mute myself, set up the scene as you see fit, and we're going to go ahead and listen to an excerpt of Defending David Ty's Journey. So here is when Ty and Ramona meet. Crouching near a tower of rocks in a spindly sapling, Ty unsheathed his blade. He breathed in cool air, untainted with kicked-up camel dust. His eyes overcame the darkness to rest on a breaching the top of the hill. Sandal slapped, wheezing, one full had made it to the crest. Cameron would cut off the others. Nearer and nearer the climber came. Ittai swallowed. The sour taste of bile pulled his jaw tight. Lord, give me victory. The man stumbled over a rock and whimpered. Ittai lunged. He grabbed the stranger and pulled the thin frame taut to his chest. His knife rested against the flesh of the prowler's neck. Stay silent or I will send your head thumping to the dirt. His captive turned to stone, trembling stone. A swell of breast rose and fell beneath Ittai's arm. No stench of sweat or body odor offended his nose. This quivering climber smelled of scented soap, even after a trek up a hill. An abundance of soft curls tickled his chin. He'd caught a woman. What was a woman doing out at night, in the wilderness, in his arms? He eased his blade from her neck. I mean you no harm. I am not a foe. I will release you if you keep your voice low. She nodded ever so slightly. A tiny whine escaped from her lips, as if she were agreeing to his demand in earnest. He loosened his hold, but kept her upright with a commanding grasp of her arm. A crazed or enraged woman would do harm. He had learned that in the most difficult of ways. He gave her enough slack to turn and face him in the shadows. Help me, she rasped. Men are chasing me. Securing his weapon, he kept his gaze centered on the gleam in her dark eyes. They mean to cut out my tongue. Her chest rose and sunk like the sea. And sell me as a slave. That is how my two main characters meet outside of Hebron. And for those of you who just heard that lovely excerpt, make sure you go ahead, love on my sister today, and buy your copy of Defending David, Etai's Journey, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Barbara, it has been absolutely wonderful having you today on the show to talk about Defending David, Etai's Journey, talk about your research, talk about you, how you got started in the business of writing, as well as all the things you love about writing and bringing to life little-known biblical characters and giving them a story 
only to help people who read it, lead them right back to the Word of God. And I definitely love the mission that God has you on. People want to find out how to get in touch with you. Where can they find you online? I have a website, barbaraembritton.com, but I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook is Barbara M. Britton. So I'd love to have them follow me, uh, find out more about my book. I love bringing little known Bible characters to light. And that is just such a fulfilling journey that God has set me on. And it's been a delight to be here with you, Parker. I'm glad we could get together and chat about the Bible and Itai and just love on stories. In the few moments we have left, what I would like you to do is encourage our aspiring authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. Yeah, you know what I say to aspiring writers is God has put something on your heart, then you write it. And I always pray before I sit down and write, and I ask the Holy Spirit to help me write the best I can. And then I find godly women that, you know, are writing Christian fiction. And we do a cheat group so that we can help each other get better and better. You know, as one man sharpens another, one woman sharpens another. And so I always rely on God because he has set me on this journey. And if you have the desire to write, he has placed that in your heart. He will help you gain the knowledge and the wisdom and have the time to get your story onto the page and written. And I think so many times we try and take it on ourselves and do it all in our own power. And we realize that we have the Holy Spirit within us and God brings people into our lives that can help us and encourage us on this journey. So don't stay home alone in your office. Make sure that you get with other Christian authors and pray before you write. Barbara, thank you so much for those wonderful words. I really like what you said there. And I cannot wait to have you back on the show and have you back real soon. Thank you, Parker. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight. And today we were talking to Barbara Britton. She is the author of the book, Defending David, Etai's Journey. It's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. I really enjoyed this book, and I know you are too, particularly if you like to read about little-known biblical characters and see how one author can create a wonderful fictional narrative interwoven with biblical truth and biblical background and setting. This is definitely the book for you. And if you want to find out more about her writing, make sure you go ahead and visit her website today, barbaraimbritton.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely 